Welcome to The Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. Don't make me go to work, Matt. It's like Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry University of Colorado Boulder. This is like my last day of vacation. Students are about back. I'm going to just do this whole semester thing again. <laughs> oh, back to work. Well, uh, we're recording these like super far in advance, so I know my semester hasn't even ended yet, and you're bringing me into the next semester. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's something theological about that. Mm. But uh, there is. I just got your just got your Christmas card, Zach. Lovely, right? It is lovely. I especially appreciated the uh, the return address sticker. It looked like Joshua Tree. Did it? Clearly, I was it just said heavily. Involved. It just had it just had Hannah's name, so I don't know. <laughs> What's going on with that? But it was really cool. I got very excited. Also, the pictures of you guys were nice, but I was really excited about that sticker with Joshua Trees on it. That was really You know, vinyl listeners, if you want to receive a life-changing family Christmas card from me, just uh, <laughs> message us on the Facebook page or tweet at us, and uh, I'll send you I was intimidated by your aggressive display of fertility. That's right. One. <laughs> we were able to procreate once. So. Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, uh, as you're listening to this, dear listeners, um, it's what, the first week of January? You just finished Epiphany? It's January and, 13th. Uh, yeah. January 13th. You're, you're in 2019. What's it like there, listeners? We don't know oh, yet. Tell it's me about the future. But you're in 2019. Tell us about the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything, Zach, that you're looking forward to in 2019? What am I looking forward to in 2019? Uh, no, Matt, I cannot think of a single thing. In 2019 that I'm looking forward to. It's a weird year, an odd number to year. There's no Olympics. There's, there's no, no presidential Olympics. election. Not even a midterm. Just 2019. It's like just, in just year. a year. It's just, just a, a year. year. Gosh, nothing uh, is going to happen. What a terrible year 2019 is. <laughs> I'll pass. Thanks. Are you Are you looking forward to things in 2019, Matt? Man, I don't know. I'm looking don't know. forward it's to another year of recording a podcast. Uh, every week. That's right. We're here to help you get through 2019. We're here to help, dear listeners. And today, we're here to help you get through Baptism of Our Lord Sunday. Baptismo. Comes around every year on the first Sunday after Epiphany. Jesus gets baptized. It's fun. It is fun. It's exciting. There's water everywhere. It's great. You think you get baptized in January? That would have been cold down at the Jordan River. <laughs> yeah. People don't yeah, know this because the climate changed. The climate's changed, you know. Uh, and uh, the engineer East Jordan River used to be frozen in the winter. That's how cold it was. Really? Today. No, that's not true. <laughs> you have me because I know nothing about the Middle East. I do think it was, it was much more temperate, but I don't think the Jordan River froze. But who knows? Maybe they, they drilled a hole in the ice and dumped Jesus' head down in it and some details that we missed here. Snow. There's well, a conspicuous lack of snow in the Bible. I don't think it appears at all. Listeners, dig it up. Uh, see if you can find a story with snow. Because maybe that's what I'm going to do in 2019. I'm going to have a year of living biblically. And so uh, if there's no snow in the Bible, I'm going to reject it out of hand uh, and disregard <laughs> What fake media has been telling me is snow. 2019 is going to be the year of living biblically, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Levitical year. Oh, well, let's see. Uh, let's see what these texts have to say to us here on baptism. Baptism. Of our First Sunday after Epiphany, Sunday, January 13th. 
Lectionary one. Yeah, hey, that's Matt. fun. This uh, Baptism of Our Lord is is the Sunday of one of my best stories about what it is like to be a religious professional in the West. Baptism of Our Lord, Matt, was uh, a Sunday when I was the pastor of a church in Bakersfield, California, a real congregation that I was driving in early. And we all know uh, on the podcast here that I've got a tortured relationship with children's sermon. I'm still not sure what the point of them is, uh, but they were a required part of the job. And I came up with, on my way in, a great idea for how we could... Uh, authentically integrate children into the liturgy in, in a way of high integrity. Uh, and my idea was we moved the font to the front. We had the kind of like normal, kind of stereotypical front-facing pews, the aisle down the middle. We moved the font to the front, and the, I give the kids like the pine boughs, if you will, like pine branches, Ooh. kinds of things. And they dunk them in the font and then sprinkle everybody and process with us Ooh. down the aisle, right? Yeah. Perfect for baptism of Jesus. We're talking about baptism. Little kids are going to be sprinkling water on people. Uh, it's going to be incredibly cute. We're going to have – checked all the boxes, man. I was very excited. So I get to church super early, as I did at the time, really at the time needing to, like, do that thing where, like, I'm not super excited about my job. So i got to, like, really dress myself, like, into it, you know. So I'm going, like, whole suit, Johnny Cash thing, like – you really got to be a pastor today, Zach. Yeah. Uh, and I get kind of excited. And I've got like a crappy pocket knife in my car. And we got these kind of evergreen bushes out by the church parking lot. And so uh, I'm by myself at church hacking away at these little evergreen bushes to get branches for the kids to dunk in the water for baptism of Jesus. Uh, and so as I'm doing that, Matt, hacking away at these branches, my foot uh, slips. And uh, I was like, oh, no, I stepped in mud. But, Matt, you've been to Bakersfield. I've lived in Bakersfield. It rains literally four inches a year. And it had already rained this year. Uh, it had not rained in months and months. Uh, and I looked down. I was like, oh, no, I have stepped in dog poop. And then I saw uh, – and then I was like, oh, my gosh, the dogs in our neighborhood use toilet paper. So I really was was confounded by the situation. First of all, uh, I understand it happens. Sometimes you got to go, right? But this was premeditated because there was paper involved. Uh, so I was intrigued by that. They were like, I know where I'm going to poop today. It's going to be in the bushes by that church because that's a good place to poop. So I spent the rest of the morning uh, trying to dig human feces out of my shoes uh, before church. Uh, and we did it, Matt. We did it. It was good. And the, the the symbolism, the imagery was just as good, better, because these, like, in the mess of the world, these branches that came out of the, the real uh, the real shit, they got drug through the waters of the font, Matt. And that's what, what life in Christ and baptismal life is like. So feel free to use that for your children's sermon. Um, that's a great. Any children's sermon that involves poop is just... Know, if we're going to dag cast for a minute here, uh, my daughter currently thinks poop is the funniest thing in the yeah. world, uh, especially the word poop. And you can slay if you just like say normal things and replace a random word with poop. She's in 100%. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. You should uh, you should check out American Vandal on Netflix if you haven't already. Mm. Season two is about poop. It's the whole season. season. Fantastic. Right. Just watch the trailer. You'll. You'll see. I've got my so, daughter uh, singing the singing or, or kind of playing with me on, uh, we'll say, when she gets in the car and I get in the car, I'm like, all right, take it to the house. And she'll say, take it to the grocery store or take, we'll just say things, right? And so one of the best jokes is to, at the end of that to go take it to the poop. Uh, and she loves it. Loves it. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> so it's good to have a good audience. Zach. It's, good. Oh, it's so different than when the vinyl spouse listens to me preach. 
<laughs> That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I told Chris that story, by the way. She loved it. <laughs> good, good. She can relate. You know, we tell relatable. <laughs> yeah. This is a podcast grounded in the human experience, you know. Absolutely. I, uh, I love everything about this story. I mean, it's just, like you said, you know, the mess of the world. I mean, people, the fact that there aren't enough places to to go to the bathroom in Bakersfield, they have to use the church. I mean, there's just, there's so much going on. Just, you think about the social environment that we find ourselves, et cetera. But you think about, I'm, I was particularly struck. I've heard that story a couple of times. This time I was struck by the collision course that had to happen for like this person to make all the decisions that they had to make in order to decide to uh, poop right there. As well as you like coming up with this, Children's sermon. You wouldn't necessarily be in those bushes every Sunday. No, right? not, like, not, it's not Sunday, a place no. that you would normally be. It just happened to be mm-hmm. the Sunday when there was fresh. I assume it was fresh. It was wet. It right? was fresh. Like, yeah. it, was, it was not. A- so, like, what a coincidence that the universe, like these two humans, were on this collision course, right? Like this collision. Like, I want to make a delicate mockumentary about it. That's just like follows these two people in the, their lives, and then where my foot is. met their uh, right. Like, uh, what are all the things that had to happen for that incident to take place? Collision course. Mm. And today, the, dear listeners, Jesus is on a collision course. I was waiting. <laughs> With the world. <laughs> With the world. It happens. There's collision. There's feces. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Well, uh, I hope, listeners, you have that story in the back of your head as we read these texts. Mm-hmm. T4T, Zach, T4T. T4T. It's a little bit of redux here, Matt. We've already had some of this. We have. Are we – so do you want to just go to the gospel? No, we don't have to do that. We can go to the gospel a little yeah, I, the, the Old Testament here is worth reading. I think so. I really like I really like this. Uh, like I don't have a lot of background to say on it. I'm not an Isaiah scholar, unfortunately. I've been focused on Luke Manuel Miranda this uh Mm-hmm. This year, mm-hmm. but I really like I just like the poetry of some of these words. So it's a reading from Isaiah. It's Isaiah forty three, and just the first. Let me just say the first couple lines here. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob; He who formed you, O Israel. Those are the same. That's the same person, isn't it? Jacob and Israel. Is yeah, true? yeah, because he gets renamed Israel. At yeah, the Shabbat. Right? Nobody ever calls just, him Israel. But think about that. That just that first line. Okay. Anyway, do now, not there's fear. There's so for I much have, uh, synthesis right? that is happening. In this text, just get ready. Oh. So we've already, before we get too far, uh, yeah, he yeah. who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. The verbs here to create and to form, they are used. Uh, it's the same verb that's used in the first chapter of Genesis for the creation of the earth, right? Of yeah. everything, right? Everything is created. Sure. Same verb. Yeah. Formed is the verb used throughout chapter two of the other creation story when God forms humans out of the clay. Uh, so it's this comprehensive. Yeah. It's a, it's an echo of both of, of the fullness of the creation in Genesis. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean it's almost it's like one of those. Um, it's, I mean, a complete, I, it's a complete I, echo of the creation story, right? As we keep going forward, when you pass through the waters, uh, the, vo- the the wind that passes over the face of the of the waters at the beginning of the creation story, the river is an allusion to a river that flows out of Eden. A lot there. Well, even even to take it farther, like it al- it also tells. Uh, Israel's history, right? Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Well, now redeem, I'm starting to think beyond creation. I'm starting to think of the Exodus, you know? And there too, there's a pass through the water. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you like they overwhelm the Egyptians. 
when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. I think about Moses. I think about uh, all the fire that happens on that mountain. The flames shall not consume you. It's like retelling Israel's history and the history of uh, their relationship with this God, with Yahweh, with the Lord. It's awesome. And I just, I, I mean, just, uh, you know, beyond all the illusions, I just love that line. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you through the rivers. They shall not overwhelm you. Isn't that just like, oh, what a line, right? What a line. This whole text, right? I, one of my least favorite biblical stereotypes is that Old Testament God is is angry, wrathy. Yeah. Uh, and this is a super gentle, incredibly loving God. The next part it has its own like depth of, of love, too. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and uh Seba, Seba, it's like Sheba, mm. in exchange for you. And what it's, uh, to get your history here, Matt, Cyrus takes control of Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sheba around the time. Cyrus the Great, the Persian, uh, and it is him coming. It is Cyrus who frees, of Persia, who frees uh, the captives from Babylon. So God is saying, I freed you, and in return, I gave I gave up Egypt. I gave up these places of extreme wealth. We've talked about it before. Israel is not... Uh, an inherently wealthy or prosperous place to be or to live as a geography or as a people throughout most of history. And here, God cares so much about them that God gives up at this point, right, the greatest empire the world had ever known. Uh, and all the wealth of Egypt and, and Ethiopia, the cradles of civilization, are all given up for this remnant. And then he continues from that history, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Just like, just just pretty simple, like, and I love you. How many times do we, I'm just pretty straightforward. God's being pretty straightforward. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Uh, do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. I mean, the ends of the earth, the four corners of the earth, God is gathering God's people. Bring my sons from far away, my daughters from the end of the earth. And everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I mean, once he starts, once you get to the end of the passage, I mean, it's clearly like very specific to Israel, the vast majority of the passage. But once we get to, especially verse seven, I almost feel like it, it kind of, it even goes out from there, right? There's something even, even more cosmic than just Israel specific from that. It's Everyone a good reading. It's called by my name. That's just an interesting phrase that, that might be yeah. even worth getting into. <laughs> everyone who is called by my name, which is different than everyone who calls my name. Yeah. Um, everyone who gets called, perhaps we would say Christ, who, as we look at baptism here at Luke, not everyone yeah. who calls out Christ. It's lovely. Pretty good. Isn't it? And it helps balance uh, helps the one. rest of the stuff in Greek. Helps balance what? The rest of the gospel. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> um, well, uh, just to zoom through Acts here, but uh, it's the Peter and John go down, they pray for folks uh, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and um, it's an interesting thing where people have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but now they have to have hands laid on them to receive the Holy Spirit. So some weird stuff going on in Acts uh, there, but it's clearly tied into this uh, gospel text about baptism. So, uh, yeah, we've gotten some of it already. Hey, I've got a bone to pick with this gospel text. So you said we've got some of it already because it's John the Baptist, right? We got it in in, in Advent. So... I, uh, I thought we were missing something, and uh, we are. We're missing verses 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. Why are we missing 18 to 20? What happens in verses 18 to 20? 
Uh, well, it's when John disappears. John is shut up in prison because he's been pissing off Herod. <laughs> so for some reason, the lectionary uh, shapers decided, well, let's just not even mention that there were consequences to what John was doing. That would be weird to mention the consequences of baptism. And we talked about it, right? This does a little bit more of, even beyond the consequences, it, Luke starts with all the with, with placing this narrative within a very real political reality. We cut the part where he's talking about Herod and Herodias, which would further entrench the story within the existing political power structure. Yeah, and it, I mean, just and narratively, John's off the scene, right? And some of the gospel, I'd love to know them by heart, but I don't. Uh, but some of the other gospel, um, uh, synoptic gospels, like John is there, right? Like he baptizes Jesus, or he's a part of the scene at least. And here John's off the scene. He's been shut up in prison already. Mm-hmm. He gone. He gone. Do you do anything with these verses 15 to 17? We've already seen them, but now here they show up again in a different context, the context of Jesus actually showing up on the scene. Do you do anything with those? What do you Here's think? what I do. I saved, because um, I, I preached on, on this text. It was what, Advent 3, I guess it was, hmm. yeah. when we got, um, when we had the wheat chaff unquenchable fire. And I didn't do much with that, uh, though I had some stuff on it. Clearly, I needed to cut more things rather than add them, as the vinyl spouse uh, told me. Uh, which is good news if you listen to, to the vinyl spouse uh, and you've got extra stuff here. This is the week to do it, right? The, the kind of take that I think is pretty common but, but worth saying is to make explicit for your people that separating the wheat and the chaff is not necessarily separating the bad people from the good people and having the bad people burn uh, in unquenchable fire. But that the, the fire is uh, a creative fire, that our identity is formed in this fire. And so I think what you can do with that, right, how I'm thinking about it, uh, is perhaps to talk about all the ways that we have chaff around us, the adiaphora, uh, the stuff that separates us from the people that God has made us, has formed and created us to be. And the baptism is a part of that process. That's what we're talking about of God calling us, it, God calling us in, in this right being, a right in which we are made, in which we know we know who we are, um, which we see more clearly what is the wheat, what is the chaff. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, since we get fire, I love that, by the way. I don't know that we talked about it this year, but as I was going back and looking at previous sermons on this, uh, it reminded me to remind people of what wheat and chaff are. The chaff is that thing that surrounds each grain of wheat. Sometimes, I mean, like when we don't have this farming background, we're like, oh, it's like wheat and wheats, but it's it's not. It's like chaff surrounds each. This is not good. I feel like that's a crucial. Yeah, it's a crucial thing to understand. And if I needed that refresher as somebody that reads the Bible every week, um, probably lay folks do, too. So um, worth reminding folks of that even this week since you get it again. Um, But just hearing that fire, we have fire in Isaiah, too. Right. And in in Isaiah, uh, God says, when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. There's going to be fire involved. Right. But um, but there seems to be Isaiah helps us, I think, see the, see that it's not um, it's not a wholly destructive fire. And Isaiah does not say that the things that are not you will be will not be burned, but mm-hmm. you, who you are. Uh, ultimately, I think for me, this the text this week is about identity formation. Then, if it's about identity formation, what do we do with it? Verses twenty-one to twenty-two. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when and when 
<laughs> this is kind of weird. We we lose the action. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized wait, and wait, was wait. praying, right? Like, what? We didn't. We don't actually get the baptism scene, apparently. I don't know if this is a montage or what, but uh, it's already happened. Then the he- But I guess Luke is trying to zoom to the thing that Luke thinks is important. So Luke slows down the scene right here. So when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. It strikes me, uh, I kind of zoomed through Acts there, but what Acts was about was that um, that baptism with water, baptism in the name of, of Jesus wasn't quite enough. And there, there needs to be this space for inviting in the Holy Spirit. And it seems like that's what Luke is focusing on here, too. Obviously, Luke's the author of both of those texts, <laughs> whoever Luke is. Um, but that seems to be the thing that's important for Luke, too. He's like, OK, so there's baptism, but the baptism has to have content like it has to have. Uh, it's got to be full of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's a there's a lot of trickiness around that, but it does seem like that's something that Luke is trying to get at. I think that, that it's important to realize here, and, and, and this kind of echoes and ties into a bit of that, the, the end of Isaiah there, where uh, Isaiah says, everyone who is called by my name. The primary actor here is God, which we're normally looking for, and sometimes we have to fish through the actions of humans to get at it. But in comparison to, especially, what is it, Mark, where it's super about repentance and turning around? Mm-hmm. Baptism doesn't yeah. seem to be that, exactly. There's a different emphasis, as you are saying. Um, that it seems to be much more about the work God is doing and opening up the heavens and the spirit descending. That's where the big action. Yeah. The Holy spirit, like the heavens open, the Holy spirit descending. And that is going to kick off Luke's sequel to his eponymously titled Luke. Can you still lift up the communal nature of baptism <laughs> yeah. here? Yeah. Uh, which is a when contrast all the people were when, baptized. It yeah. only happened when all of them were baptized and Jesus, not when you made a decision to follow and love Jesus. Did the heavens open up? But when all the yeah. people together, which again I think shifts shifts the emphasis to the work of God, rather than the work of of the people in claiming the name of Jesus. Yeah, the, the work the work of God, and for Luke, like the work of the Holy Spirit within the Trinity, like is just so so crucial in a way that it isn't in the same way for the other gospel writers. But for Luke, I mean, if we're thinking about themes that are going to be consistent for Luke, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Luke is a filioque hater. <laughs> Just a deep cut. A deep cut. Google it. Google Speaking it's of deep cuts, I, I, really, I really enjoy all the St. Nicholas memes this time of year with like the <laughs> yes. super in the weeds theological stuff, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying them. I'm a lot of heretics. I came here to <laughs> give away presents and punch heretics. And... Did There's you St. Nicholas parent? Did you do St. Nicholas Day with your children? Yeah, Chris Chris grew up with that tradition. I did not, but Chris, it was, was like her family was super into it. So they do the shoes on St. Nicholas Day. And then it's like every Sunday, shoes with an orange and like some stuff in it. And yeah, so Chris does, Chris does that. Yeah, you guys do that? Hannah did something. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, we got some little uh, just so you know what the other godparents are doing. I know that you probably want to be a, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm proud of you, Jen. Jen, uh, our friend Jen Burgos, another pastor out here. So to be fair, she had these hands under her, and she was like, "My kid's too young. 
I'm going to re-gift them to you. Um, but these little cards from uh, Augsburg, from Sparkhouse, that are like uh, family celebrate Advent and Christmas, and it's like a deck of cards. There's one for every day. They're really, they're actually pretty cool. So I do those with uh, my kids in the morning. And sometimes it's just like, hey, guys, find some stuff that's blue. And they get a real kick out of that at age two, <laughs> finding everything that's blue in the room. So that's the kind of stuff that I do. And then I like to retell the story, uh, like I was saying last week, uh, using Abby Cadabby as an angel. That's the kind of stuff I do. Chris can do the same Nicholas stuff. I'm going to play with Sesame Street characters. Are you saying, Matt, that, that Sparkhouse by Augsburg Fortress has some good resources? They do. I wish they would sponsor us. Man, what if, you know, if they sponsor us, we could talk regularly about some of the great resources available to you uh, at all kinds of different levels of formation, whether it's um, uh, children at, at our children's ages or, you know, adults or young adults. You know, we, we could talk about those things, but they don't. So we don't need to waste any more time. Um, Instead, how are you enjoying your mattress? Good. Uh, good. <laughs> You remember what was it last year that we did that complete? No, it was when you were having kids uh, that I did an entire episode where I tried to tell the Christmas story through stereotypical podcast sponsors. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was a good time. It was like Mary and Joseph couldn't find a Casper mattress uh, in which to lay their heads. <laughs> the wise men came from the east with a butcher box and. Uh, uh, where are we? <laughs> you know, right in the it's middle good. of the text, talking about it's it. It's good. We were just, uh, it was a good the time. The spirit, the spirit. Fortress, and telling you about God parenting, which is connected to baptism, you guys. Connected it's connected to, to some fine products in Sparkhouse. Yeah, we have to get, uh, we'll have to get Jen on the podcast one of these days to talk about, she's, she's, uh, big into crafting, so maybe she could See? have, like, a craft. <laughs> I always want my liturgy to be more crafty, but I don't have the skills or gifts to make it happen. And so I hired someone uh, who I, I, I love and is necessary to me doing my job. But it turns out it's not as simple as just hiring someone and assuming that they'll figure it out and make all this stuff happen. Uh, we don't share the same brain. So it turns out you have to work at that and it doesn't happen naturally. Yeah, I do wish that um, – I mean I think about this too when I, when I talk to Jim. But it's like, man, I, I, it does feel like when we got, we've got uh, one pastor with each ministry and we're all going to different things. I'm like, man, if only we could team up, we might actually be able to run a half-functional institution. <laughs> Uh, which gets you a little bit to this, like when all the people were baptized, this is about uh, community and about pulling um, different humans together. Did you like how I tried to tie that Good in? Good save. I tried to pull it yeah, back. you really I tried, tried to pull it back in. You did an excellent job. Matt, I, I, did, I, wanna, yeah. I did a little Greek study this week. Yeah. And I got something good for you, Matt. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. I do. I try to do, when I have time, uh, a little bit of Greek study every week. Uh, and so a couple words peaked my interest, in particular with the heavens opening up, I was interested in, uh, and the Holy Spirit descending. The question I had was, what else gets opened up, um, and what else uh, descends, you know? And the thing that I found, uh, a bunch of doors get opened, um, the narrow door, uh, there are servants at the wedding banquet waiting to open the door. Nothing too interesting there, but catabano, catabino, bano, catabani, there we go. Uh, is the word for descend. And the other, it occurs in a number of places, but the most interesting place where it occurs a couple times, well, you get it in Zacchaeus, he comes down from the tree and they go down to his house. Um, a tax collector goes home justified. But the one I want to lift up is the Good Samaritan. Uh, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Mm. Uh, now by chance, the priest was going down that road. Matt, we were talking about Emmaus Road uh, last week with Epiphany. 
And this descending spirit, there's some ties in there to going down a road. And that what we had said is that, that I believe with Epiphany, having been warned in a dream, the wise men went home by another road, uh, that this way of God is opening up a new road, a new way that we might travel down. And that's the promise of this baptism text, that when the Holy Spirit descends, it opens up this new road for Jesus. Yeah, I like it. It made me think of a song that I was trying to look up as you were talking. Down the road. I like it. Way to do some word study, Zach. It's almost like it was worth it for you to go to seminary. Almost. If seminary just taught me how to use Biblos.com, you know, they quit making uh, accordions. Oh, really? Yeah. Which makes it probably even harder to steal off of like a torrent. Oh. Um, any more Greek words for us? Oh, gosh. That's all I've got. Uh, I like uh, one more thing that I'm going to throw in in terms of what's to kind of set the context. So I talked about what was missing between 17 and verses 17 and 21. And it's also it was also really interesting to me what comes right after this uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh is a genealogy. Mm. And in Matthew, the gospel kicks off with a genealogy. Luke is the other gospel that has a genealogy. Uh, and it comes right after the baptism of Jesus, which is interesting. Uh, it's also interesting because Luke traces it a little bit differently than Matthew does. Matthew traces Jesus's family tree back to David, back to the kingship of David. And we talked last week about uh, this clash of kings that happens between baby Jesus and King Herod. But Luke, which is traces, also the name of yeah. a game you can download for your phone, offered by uh, Sparkhouse Clash of Kings. Clash of Kings. <laughs> um, but uh, but Luke does not. Uh, rather than tracing tra- tracing Jesus' family tree just back to David, Luke traces it back to it ends like this: uh, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. <laughs> so mm. Luke traces the family tree all the way back to Adam, uh, back to God. Uh, and we're not I'm not going to parse all of that out since we're just talking about this. But I think there's something relevant about the way that, you know, for Matthew's gospel, there's something really Davidic. There's something really specific to Israel and the thing that God is doing. Uh, but for Luke, he starts to move out to the Gentiles and move out to that universalizing sense. And I think that's connected here, too. We're um, connecting it to to Adam. There's something universally um there's something specifically that's happening to Jesus in this baptism text, but then I think it also says something about what God does with each of us. And I think the way that genealogy gets uh, told right after this story mm-hmm. uh, backs that up, backs that up. Yeah, that becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you become, I mean, it makes, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, our social science friends, right, would argue that, that baptism in Luke is not so much about repentance, but it's about the formation of this new kinship group, this new family structure. Again, we talked about it, uh, was it two weeks ago where Jesus is already breaking away from his family, breaking up that family structure? That baptism and the, and the movement of the spirit here is the thing that forms the group in which we're going to live uh, and, try and find fullness of life. Uh, and so all the people, right, are claiming this sort of or being named, yeah. or being named, right? Or being called by my name, or who are now receiving the name of, which is how you would be known in the ancient Near East, right? You would be Zach, son of Richard, or so on and so forth, right? And so in this, right, you become you, you become a part of that genealogy, the, the children of God. Yeah, I mean, it's really, like, again, I know that it's not, that the Luke's genealogy is not our text for today, but it's just, it's so fascinating. Like for Matthew, like part of his point is, hey, look, Jesus is descended from David. 
But for but for Luke, like, aren't we like what what is he trying to prove? Like, according to the to this uh, cosmology, this like, aren't we all descended from Adam? Like, why would you need to? You're not trying to prove that. Uh, so what's the what's the point he's trying to make? And I mean, it seems like according to this story, right? Like all of these people that are being baptized are ultimately son of Adam, son of God. So there's something revealing that happens in the baptism that gets to exactly what you said. Yeah. Another that we're a part tension. of this thing, but then how do we really become a part of it? Another, Another tension, tension I would lift up is um, the part that gets, that we leave behind uh, at the beginning of, of the chapter three, that was a part of, a part of the text earlier is that John Cass uh, uh, fusses at the crowd uh, and tells them to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And yet, this is one of my good, my good uh, baptism of Jesus stories. Uh, this is our first, this Jesus shows up as a grown man for the first time here. We don't have baby Jesus. Uh, we had that adolescent Jesus that kind of poked his head in the door and did some weird things. But this is the first time you see adult Jesus. And Jesus has a terrible resume at this juncture, <laughs> right? Uh, he's done nothing. We don't know of anything that Jesus has done. He gets hauled around by his parents and moves to a couple places. Uh, he's kind of a brat in the synagogue, in the temple. And yet this voice booms from heaven, says, you're my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Where are Jesus' credentials? Where is the proof of the fruit of repentance? Has he, has he borne it? We don't know. Which is to say, I think, to speak again, if you're going to go in that angle of supporting, preaching the, the, that God is the one who's really at work in this story and in the claiming of God's people. Um, I could help you get there. Good stuff. I wasn't so excited about this text, and now, uh, now I am. Which I think is to say, and I think about it, uh, the fruits of repentance yeah. are not left behind, but they're not a prerequisite, <laughs> but they are a result <laughs> of the baptism. How about that? Um, yeah. Jesus' good, good word, his fruit is to come. Perhaps just like the fruit of everyone else who's baptized. It's a result of not a, a reason why you get baptized. So, I... Yeah. Gotcha. I was just thinking what usually comes after uh, baptism. So we said this genealogy comes after. Usually it's Jesus going to the wilderness, right? He gets let out into the wilderness. And that happens right after the genealogy. We'll get that the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, and that first Sunday in Lent will begin. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. Yeah, full of the Holy Spirit. So keep this text in mind, uh, dear listeners, because it's going to be in the background when we approach Lent uh, in just a couple of weeks. All right, anything else in the gospel? No, that's all I got. I mean, that's a lot. We provided right. a lot of content, I know, too. I know. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. The kind of content you can expect from Sparkhouse Publishing. <laughs> 2019 goals hashtag yes hashtag that's on my vision board you're on my vision board Sparkhouse one of my goals is that Nick producer Nick continues to get paid to produce the podcast what do you listen to Matt I've got good stuff uh man did you know I'm right I was right all along I never should have doubted it uh Arian's the scary one monster is an epiphany album Matt this week, I'm going to put I Took Your Name on it. Uh, oh, right? that's a good one. Isn't it? Uh, so I'm putting that on there. Uh, then uh, some of the things that get opened up are doors. Matt, their texts are full of, especially, right? God explicitly, Yahweh, says, I love you. Uh, and so uh, my close personal friend, Kristen Bell, sings a song called Love is an Open Door uh, <laughs> from Frozen. 
Um, yeah, yeah, right. So I'm going to put that on there. And then, That's man, nice. oh, I couldn't do three. I had to do four. I had to do four. Gosh, especially with all this way stuff, the road, the rivers in Isaiah, the names. Um, I know I've put it on before, but I'm going to put it on again. John Hyatt's The River Knows Your Name. Uh, oh, the river knows your name. And the same. No two stories ever are the same. Oh, oh the river knows your you name. Sh- you should sing from the pulpit. I know. You're getting all kinds of shout outs on the internets here. You know, by the, vi- the, the fans are calling you out. You start attracting people coming just for your, your vocals. Finally, <laughs> yeah. Finally, I gotta put it on there, man. Gotta do it. You know, I don't know about you, but we have gone in these two weeks. Well, I mean, think about it. This month, we had a baby Jesus. Jesus was born as a baby. We had adolescent Jesus, and now we've got grown, grown man Jesus. I'd say that we've grown up way too fast. Um, Jesus hasn't done anything. There's nothing to believe in and, and these echoes these reruns all become our history and the tired song keeps playing on a tired radio and I won't tell no one your name I'm putting the Go-Go Dolls name <laughs> on the playlist this week uh, that's a classic isn't it oh it's when was, you get at it first, it's really uh, the opposite of what this this text is about but it's, it's perfect yeah that was like their first single wasn't it mm-hmm. first big one anyway yeah the Google Dolls. That was a terrible name for a band, but they had some good songs <laughs> for, a, for a short time there in the late 90s. Good. That's good. I like that. Uh, I don't have that many songs this week, uh, but they have to go together. You cannot separate them uh, because I was looking for a spirit song, and of course I had to put uh, Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky. <laughs> Had to do it, uh, but it's a little bit. It's not a great. It's a little gnostic. Like it's not. Uh, it's not great on its own. It's it's really terrible theology, uh, but it does appear that the Holy Spirit uh, at least begins in the sky in the story, but then it ultimately has to come down to earth. And so I really love this Peter Gabriel song, "Down to Earth," from the soundtrack to Wally. Wally, classic Pixar film. It's the song that plays over the end credits, and there's some really cool animation for it. But it's a great Peter Gabriel's capable of some good stuff. He's he can be hit or miss, but when he hits, he hits. And this is a good one. It's really good. What are you laughing about? It's not Phil Collins. It's Peter Gabriel. He's the res- he's the respectable one in Genesis. Okay, good. I always get the respectable ones confused when it comes to Genesis. By the way, we need to get Tuhina on, Tuhina on the pod so that we can gang up on you uh, about you Phil do. Collins. You do, man. Hashtag 2019 goals. There we go. See, we we got goals now. By the way, we've got a vision board now. Uh, if you want to put things on your vision board, just put it on the face. <laughs> We're going to make a Bible preacher vision board. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Uh, so I really just had those two tied together. But then you made me think of uh, when you're talking about uh, this descending down a road. Uh, I just it's a obscure John Mellencamp song, but one from uh, 2010. He's he's so John Mellencamp has had a career of like the poor man's Bruce Springsteen in like the 80s and. Uh, and but then in the '90s he was doing some weird experimenting. Uh, the uh, Mr. Happy Go Lucky album is pretty awesome. And then in and then in the 2000s he just became a grumpy old man. He just does like really grumpy folk music. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, and he's got this song called "Coming Down the Road." 
coming mm. down the road. That's the refrain, just over and over uh, with some different verses in there, but coming down the road, John Mellencamp. And I'm excited to think about all the ways we're going to be coming down the road in the Gospel of Luke in hashtag 2019 goals. Luke is a highway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. so much stuff for Luke. All right, good, good app, good app, Matt. Good. It's important to pat yourself on the back after you have a good app. It is because the Miles Prowse ain't gonna do it. <laughs> it's been real, Zach. It's been real.